Hi everyone, this is Jacob from Attention to Detail. I'm coming to you today with a solo episode. We've got some more exciting episodes on the way, and I hope you've been enjoying some of the, the content that we've been putting out during this quarantine, especially if you haven't seen our Symphonies draft, I encourage you to go check that out. We'll be doing more content like that coming up, as well as some other interesting breakdowns. Um, so there's a lot on the way, but I wanted to do a solo episode today in preparation for a breakdown that we're going to be doing in a few days, a piece by Bartok called The Wooden Prince. Really interesting, fun piece, but it's also a kind of advanced piece. It's challenging. I think it'll be great for our listeners. But in preparation for that and just to expand our knowledge a little bit in general, I wanted to do an episode today on scales. What is a scale? We've probably all heard the term uh, a musical scale. You might have heard little kids play their scales on the piano. But I want to talk about what that actually is. And we'll also talk about this idea of what we call modes in, in music. Now, this is going to be a little bit more of a technical episode than normal. And so I encourage you to, to stick with me here because this is going to be, I think, very valuable information, but it will be a little technical. I'm going to break it down in as simple terms as I possibly can. No prior knowledge needed. But we're going to dive a little bit into what we call music theory here and explore a little bit of what a scale is, what some modes are. And we don't need to know a lot about this. We don't need to get too in the weeds, but this will help us a lot to understand not only all of the music that we've already listened to, but also what's coming, especially with Bartok. And if you're interested in more modern music, 20th century music, 21st century music, these scales and modes will be very valuable to have some level of familiarity with. So first question is, let's start with, what is a scale? What, what is an actual scale? Well, we've heard, as I mentioned, you may have heard little kids playing scales on the piano. They're things that we practice to warm up. But really all that scale a scale is, is a collection of pitches or notes. So in music, we have 12 pitches. That's, that's what makes up one scale called the chromatic scale. And the chromatic scale includes every note that we have available to us in music. Now, that sounds like this. And you may have heard, even if you have just a peripheral knowledge of music, we usually refer to the notes of the scale with letter names. So this, that's an A, that's a G, that's a C, an F sharp. These letter names are just kind of signifiers that we use to describe different pitches. If you've seen a piano, a piano has 88 keys, right? And that actually, so we only have 12 notes, but there are 88 keys. What's, what's going on there? Well, we repeat the names of notes in different registers. So if you hear these two notes... You hear those notes, they sound incredibly harmonious together, almost the same. Those are both the notes C. One is just higher than the other. And 
I don't want to get, again, I don't want to get too in the weeds there, but we repeat the names of these notes as we go up higher and higher. And if you want to know the science behind some of this, this top note C, the vibrations that it causes are exactly twice as fast as this low note C. And so every time we go up and register, we double the number of vibrations. But they're very mathematically united in that way, and so that's why we give them the same note name. Anyways, we have 12 notes available to us. So there's one scale we've already heard, which is the chromatic scale. That includes every single note available, A through A, an octave above. But most scales are a collection of some pitches that exclude other pitches. And when we're going through some of these scales, talking a little bit about what a scale is, it may help to have kind of a mental image of a piano, because if you've seen a piano or you can envision a piano, that'll be really helpful in describing some of these ideas. So a scale is a collection of pitches and an exclusion of some other pitches. So when you create a scale or you use a scale, you pull certain pitches from that those choice of 12 that you're going to be using and you exclude others. A really simple scale, one of the most common scales that exists all across the world in all kinds of folk music and classical music and jazz everywhere is what we call the pentatonic scale. And I want to start with the pentatonic scale because it's the most simple scale in a way that we can, we can think of. The pentatonic scale is called pentatonic because it has five notes. So that's a pretty simple scale. We're excluding seven and we're only using five. And if you can imagine a piano, the pentatonic scale is actually a scale that only uses the black keys on the piano. So it sounds like this. Now that exists all over in music, in folk music, it's used often in Far Eastern musical cultures, but we use it in the West as well. And the pentatonic scale, it feels natural if we play this for, if I play this for you. You can probably sing the next note in the scale. So that's one example of a scale. Pentatonic uses five notes. There's another even more important scale, the scale that we most commonly use in Western music that you've probably heard, whether or not you're familiar with, with music in any way, you've probably heard the scale many times. It's the scale I want to focus the majority of our time on today. And it's what you hear kids practicing on the piano. It's what you hear in most, most music. It's called the diatonic scale. And if you want to look at the keyboard again or imagine it in your head, just like the pentatonic scale used the five black keys, the diatonic scale uses all of the white keys and only the white keys. So the diatonic scale has seven notes. The pentatonic had five, the diatonic has seven, and the diatonic as a result excludes five notes, the five black keys. Here's how the diatonic scale sounds. Mm -hmm. 
So that's what we call a C major scale. It's the first thing you learn on the piano. And if you hear that, again, there's seven notes. Those are the seven notes we have available. Usually we repeat the C, the top note, when we come back down. All right, so that's, that's a scale. We have seven notes that are available to us. Now, the other thing we need to talk about before we delve a little bit more into these scales, what they sound like, is the idea of harmony. We've discussed harmony already on this podcast, and it might be worth it to go back and listen to our harmony episode if you haven't already or if you uh, forgot a little bit about what harmony is, what it does for us. But the idea of harmony is that it's combinations of notes that modify each other. If we think of the way we talked about it on our harmony episode, if a note is a noun, harmony is the modifier. So if we have this note, we can give this note different characters by adding different harmonies. So we can make it kind of happy. We can make it kind of sad. We can make it mysterious. We can make it, I don't know, foreboding. So there's all these adjectives that we can add to notes. And harmony, basically what I'm doing there is just adding other notes that serve as sonic modifiers, if we want to think of them like that. So what does this have to do with scales? Well, as I mentioned, in a scale, we've chosen certain pitches that we're going to use and we've excluded other pitches. And so as a result of that, there are certain harmonies that are available to us and others that are not. Okay, so if we're in a diatonic scale, like the one I, we were talking about, C major, if we're staying in that zone, I just played for you a harmony that is available, that uses only these white keys. So I'm not breaking any rules there. If I want to do this, I've used a black key on that one, and I'm not, I'm no longer in the C major scale that we expected. If I want to make it mysterious, I used another black key there. That's not available to us through this diatonic scale that we have here. So if you hear some of the harmonies that are available to us diatonically, here's, you can play things like this. most famous pop progressions goes there's four chords that make up a lot of pop songs these progressions are all available to us in the diatonic scale those seven white keys so I was just combining different combinations of notes there that only use the white keys. But there are way more combinations that I am not able to use because we've excluded the black keys. 
So that's really what a scale is. Now, why do we do this? You might ask, why not just use all the pitches all the time? The idea behind scales is to establish a hierarchy in music. A huge part of why music is satisfying, interesting, engaging for us is because of this hierarchy, which sets up this kind of sensation constantly of tension and release, or going away from something, coming back to something. In the case of a C major scale, this diatonic C major scale, the one that we've heard now several times. There's a hierarchy that we've established where C is the most important note to us. So the harmonies that are available through this scale lead us to C. So if we go... stop right there, there's something we want to hear again, which is, if we go, it really wants us to lead back to here, our home base of C. So by excluding certain notes, we've created this sort of hierarchy where we want to come back to C, there are some other notes that we gravitate around, like a G, that's an important note in the C major scale. The actual notes are not important to us, and the kind of math science behind why it does that is also not super important to us. But you can think about the alternate case, where we use the chromatic scale, where we have every pitch available to us. That's what we call atonality. If you've heard of atonal music, it's music that sounds dissonant. It's hard to get your bearings. That's because the distance between every note in the chromatic scale is exactly the same. And so there's no real hierarchy. Each note serves its, it is equally important because each note is equally unimportant in a way. And so where you get atonal music is where you're using every note. You haven't excluded any notes, and so they all have equal importance. By excluding certain key notes, we actually place more importance on other notes. And so we get this phenomenon of tension and release, which really is the main driving force behind certainly Western music, but most kinds of music. This hierarchy of exclusion of notes, which creates certain greater importance on the notes in the scale. All right, so a lot of jargon already, but bear with me here. We're going to make it a little easier. We're going to break some of these scales down and talk about why they're actually important to the listener. So let's listen a little bit more to this diatonic scale because it's the most important. If you've ever heard the terms major and minor, we're going to play a major and a minor scale. These are both diatonic. You can play a major and minor scale that only use the, black, the white keys. You have to start it on a different note. For major, you start on C. For minor, you have to start on A, but you're only using the white keys again. And you think of minor generally as being a little more sad, so we get these type of combinations.
whereas major's a little more optimistic. We get... But major and minor, those are the two most important scales available to us, especially for understanding all music up to, let's say, 1900, if not after. Let's listen to an example, really famous, diatonic, major piece. And you'll notice, I'll play this piece for you, and you'll notice there's, there's something of a hierarchy in this piece where you feel like you need to keep coming back to certain notes. So let's listen to an example of a major diatonic piece. So if you play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on the piano, you only need the black keys. And you'll notice in the melody, we can't end right there. There's this feeling that we need to go one more note down to our favorite note of C. This is in C major. All this uses is the black keys. And so that's Twinkle Twinkle Little Star is an excellent example of a diatonic piece. Very simple, but it illustrates exactly how this diatonic scale sounds to us, which is kind of harmonious. In the case of major, it sounds pretty happy, cheerful. And so that's what we hear in Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Now, most music is diatonic. Most music is major or minor, but I also want to talk about, the reason why we're doing this episode is because I want to talk about something called modes. Now, what is a mode? Here's the other big piece of jargon that I'm going to have to explain. Bear with me here. We'll make it as easy as possible. So take out that mental picture of a piano again, if you have it or if you want to pull up an actual picture of a piano, that will be helpful too. So we start on a note like C and we only play the black keys. Sorry, I misspoke, we only play the white keys. We get our major scale. Now, I mentioned if we want to play a C minor scale, here's where we're going to get a little complicated. We can't play a C minor scale with only the white keys. We need some black keys to play a C minor scale. That goes like this. Now that's also a diatonic scale. Now this is where it's gonna get complicated. How is that diatonic if it uses some of the non-white keys, the black keys? So look at your picture of a piano or mental picture of a piano. The thing that makes something diatonic is the sequence of notes and their distances. So we've excluded certain black keys, but if you see the piano, they come at interesting spots. So if we start on the note C, we skip a note to go to our next note in the diatonic scale, a D. We've skipped a note. 
then we skip another note. That's what we call a whole step, a step up, but it's a whole step because we've skipped a note. Then after we skip two notes, we play the next closest note. So we're going, we leave this out, we leave this out. But then we go to the next closest note. We skip again, skip again, skip again. And then we don't skip. So we have two what we call half steps embedded in here. There are two notes that are close together. All the other ones, we've cut out a note in between. And those half steps come at, key, at important intervals in the scale. So that's what makes it diatonic. It's that sequence of where we've excluded notes. That's how we're able to play a C minor scale with some black keys. We're still playing a diatonic scale. We're using black keys, but we're going along the same progression that we would with the white keys. We've just now excluded a combination of black and white keys. So that's complicated, but there's a way to think of it in a more simple manner. So as I mentioned, C major, diatonic, all white keys. Let's get our piano picture up there again. So we hear the major scale, only white keys. Now minor is a diatonic mode. And what that means is that there is a note of the white keys that we can start on, not C, but we can start on a different note and only play the white keys, and that will give us a minor scale. That note happens to be A, and so if we start, we've shifted where we've started. We're still only using the white keys so that progression is the same, but we started at a different point in the progression. Now we started, there's no jump after our second note, whereas in major, there's no jump after our third note. That's where our first half step, we call it, comes. In minor, our first half step comes after the second note. So just by shifting up and down where we start, we can change which actual scale we're using, but it's remaining what we call diatonic. The progression is staying the same of length between notes and which notes we've chosen to exclude. So if you're able to understand that, then the idea of modes is actually very simple. So let's stick with this minor mode for one more second. What are we doing by shifting where we start on the scale? What we've done is we've shifted that hierarchy of what the most important note is to us. So as I mentioned, C is the most important note to us in C major. And everything leads us to C. Now, just by shifting down where we start, we can change that hierarchy even though we're using the same exact notes. So you have suddenly A suddenly A is the most important note to us and not C 
So if you're able to understand that, then you've already gotten the concept of a mode. Because all that a mode is, is a shifting of where we start the scale all along the white keys. So there are actually seven modes that correspond with the seven white keys. These modes have Greek names. We don't need to know any of these names, but I'll just use them because they're what we call them in music theory. You can call them major and minor for the most important ones. Major is also called the Ionian mode. This is where we start on C. Minor is called the Aeolian mode. We have the Dorian mode, the Phrygian mode, the Lydian mode, all of these Greek names for modes. But I want to talk about now another mode. So we've got major and minor, or Ionian if we want to call it that, major starting on C. Now, one of the closest modes in similarity to our major mode is one of the modes that's most frequently used by composers. It's called the Lydian mode. The Lydian mode, we start on the note of F. So if we shift up a few notes and we start on F, it sounds like this. Now, what's the difference there? Well, interestingly, if we played an F major scale, it would sound like this. Here we have one funky note that goes. And that note, as we've been talking about harmony, that changes the possible combinations that are available to us. So I can't go like this anymore. just a little change but it actually kind of transforms the whole sound world that this scale is creating and that's the point of these modes for the listener is that they really create their own unique sound world and so we've shifted when you hear a shift of a mode it almost feels like the character has totally changed like we've, we've gone into this other universe might be a totally different style of sound of piece that's created. For me, in the case of Lydian, it has this kind of dreamy quality, whereas major feels a little more practical, happy. Lydian feels kind of dreamy. That's just a personal preference or choice. But I want to play for you a piece, a Lydian piece here, and just listen to the different sound world that's created here. Now, it's it's not that different from major. I chose this one first because it's one of the most similar, but I think you will notice a small difference just in the ambiance, the sound world that we hear in this piece.
So that probably sounds very similar in a certain way to a standard major piece. But interestingly, the home base of that, that piece by Beethoven is an F, as we mentioned, instead of a C. And so we've just shifted up the piano. We're still using all the same notes, but the hierarchy has been slightly shifted. So now let's hear another important mode called the Mixolydian mode, very similar to the Lydian mode in a certain way, also very similar to major. This one is if we were to start on the note of G instead of F, again, all white keys. Here again, we only have one note that feels a little funky. If we were normally to start on G, it would go. That top note, now we have. For me, this Mixolydian mode, it has this kind of grounded, um, slightly it's again, it's the opposite of Lydian, which is very dreamy. This one feels very earthly to me in some way. But again, it's all up to the listener, but it creates, again, a different sound world than a pure major or a pure minor scale. So let's listen to, here's an example of a, a song that's in the Mixolydian mode, and you'll hear right off the bat that funky note highlighted, second big note that you hear in this song. So in that song, Clocks, Coldplay, we hear almost immediately our Mixolydian note that gives us a clue that this is not just a major song. It goes, and then here. If this was a major piece, it would sound... which again, sounds a little maybe happier or more joyful. Mixolydian has some other character, whatever we want to call it, that this Clocks song has that we can kind of identify right off the bat. It just sounds a little different. And maybe you wouldn't be able to say, oh, that's, that's Mixolydian. But maybe subconsciously, there's a little bit, a little part of you that says, this is a little different character, a little different sound world. And that's because... Coldplay, in this case, is using the Mixolydian mode instead of just a major scale. So one more diatonic mode that I want to highlight for us is the Phrygian mode. Phrygian is used a lot, and it's one of my favorites. And for me, it has a really mysterious-sounding quality or, or sound world that it creates. When we are using the Phrygian mode, we start a couple notes above C on E. Remember Lydian, we started on F. Mixolydian, we started on G. Now we're gonna start on E, and here's how the Phrygian scale sounds. So we get. To me, it sounds a little sneaky, a little mysterious. I want to play for you a couple examples of the Phrygian mode 
in use in classical music. Because I think this one, this one is very different from some of the other modes we've heard. It's kind of halfway between a major and a minor. And I think here, more than even the other ones that we've played so far, you'll notice the really different sound world that's being created as a result of using this Phrygian mode. So here's one example from a Bruckner symphony. You'll hear it's very mysterious. Here's that, that passage from Bruckner. So there in that Bruckner passage we hear and that little sneaky sound comes from this Phrygian scale. Here's another example of the Phrygian mode in music and again you'll hear it creates this really unique sound world, one that I particularly love. Fantasia on a theme by Thomas Tallis, and it's using the Phrygian again. Great use of the Phrygian scale. So we have seven modes of the diatonic scale. And as I mentioned, the diatonic scale, what that is referring to when we say diatonic is the progression of notes that we're using. It's seven notes, and they have those distances where we have two, what we call half steps, five whole steps, and they can be shifted up and down the keyboard, only white keys to create all these different sound worlds. So it's a little complicated because we have a scale, diatonic scale, and that scale can be altered through different modes. But there are some other important scales that I want us to know and these are going to be especially important as we listen to 20th century music. The first one is called a whole tone scale. And as I mentioned, remember, scales are defined by not only their pitches, which ones are excluded, but the distance between the pitches. That's the pattern that defines the scale. In the case of the whole tone, it's called a whole tone scale because it only uses whole steps. So every note is equidistant from each other and each note skips one in between. So as a result, if we're skipping one note each time, the whole tone scale has six notes. The, the uh, diatonic scale had seven. The whole note, we only have six, so we're excluding six. And we're skipping one each time. 
the whole tone scale sounds like this. And I want to play for you a couple pieces that use the whole tone scale now. And here's where you will really start to notice the different sound worlds that these scales can create. Because with the modes that we were just talking about of the diatonic scale, those are creating different sound worlds because of the hierarchy, but we've kept the same bass notes, we've kept the same bass distance between the notes, and so the changes are somewhat minute. But compare that to the sound world that you hear here, totally different because we've changed the available notes that we have. And so we've got all these different harmonies that are available and that aren't available now. So here's a couple examples of the whole tone scale, both from a composer who used the whole tone scale all the time, Debussy. So here's the first one. So if we thought Lydian had a kind of dreamy character, it pales in comparison to the whole tone scale, which we often associate with French music, this kind of impressionistic, hazy sound world that's created by this whole tone scale. Here's another example from Debussy's La Mer, where he uses the whole tone scale really effectively. So interestingly, with the whole tone scale, the reason why it sounds so different is because some of the most common harmonies are not available to us. So we can't play something that just sounds like this, because this note is actually not in our whole tone scale. We can play this, which has a kind of mysterious quality. We can play, we can play. are available to us, but not some of the most grounded, the most harmonious harmonies that we have. So that's what gives it its really hazy, dreamy quality. So now let's talk about another really important scale, especially in 20th century music. This is called the octatonic scale. Again, as I mentioned, the scale is defined by the number of notes, but also the distance between the notes. Octatonic, you guessed it, it uses eight notes. And with the octatonic scale, we have an alternating set of whole steps and half steps. So we skip a note, then we don't skip a note. We skip a note, then we don't skip a note. And that gives us eight notes, we've excluded four. So here's how the octatonic scale sounds.
for me, the octatonic scale has this really mystical, slightly Eastern flair to it. It's kind of technicolor in a way. Again, it's a totally different sound world. This scale is used really frequently by composers like Stravinsky, Messiaen, Bartok. Here's a, exam a couple examples of the octatonic scale. And again, I think you'll find here compared to our standard diatonic scale, this one creates a totally different sound world. So here's an example from Scriabin, his ninth piano sonata. So there, in the melody of that, we actually hear the actual octatonic scale, the piano bass. Which is just our octatonic scale and the harmonies that are created there too. It gives it this very mystical quality. Now here's another example of the octatonic scale in action. This is one of the most famous moments in, in music and in music theory. And I'll show you why, but first let's just listen to it. This is from Petrushka by Stravinsky. This is a really famous moment in music theory, as I mentioned. It's a famous chord. We've, it's come to be known as the Petrushka chord. And what it is, is C major and F sharp major, the furthest key from C major, at the same time. And you can hear that has this really mystical, interesting quality. So when they play this, they play this passage that actually includes all of the notes, or most of the notes, all of those notes in that passage are from the octatonic scale. So interestingly, our harmony that we like, the, the major harmony, is available to us in the octatonic scale. It wasn't in the whole tone scale. But this is not. This is not. Instead, we get things like... So this octatonic scale, totally different sound world, creates a very, very different quality used really expertly by so many composers like Stravinsky, Bartok, Messiaen. One more scale I want to highlight for you. It's called the acoustic scale. It's one of my personal favorites. And the reason why I want to highlight it is because it's actually, this one is also used frequently by Bartok. And it's a combination of the two scales we just talked about, the whole tone scale and the octatonic. It starts with a series of 
with half of the whole tone scale where it's skipping a note every time. But then we get our octatonic portion where we go half step, whole step, half step, whole step, where we skip a note every other time. And so we go. the dreaminess and the mysticism of the octatonic and the whole tone scales. It's used frequently by Bartok. I want to play for you one passage where he uses it several times in his concerto for orchestra. Here's the acoustic scale. quickly but you can hear the woodwinds at one point in that passage play the acoustic scale and that passage is using a lot of different acoustic scales so those are the scales that I want to highlight for us there are many others as well really a scale is just any collection of notes in a pattern and so there are endless possibilities Messiaen, the composer Messiaen was fascinated with scales and he classified, there are a few scales, it's an interesting kind of math problem if you want to try to figure it out yourself, but there are a few scales that are palindromic that split the octave, our collection of 12 notes, in a way that works both forwards and backwards and it looks the same. Our diatonic scale is not because it has two of those half steps but they're not at equal intervals. And so that, that cannot be played backwards and forwards the same way. The whole tone scale, for example, is because it's a series of whole steps. And so it actually looks the same going backwards or forwards. And if you're interested, you can try to figure out all of the there are only a finite number of possibilities, that's seven in fact, of ways to split these 12 notes up palindromically, but Messiaen was interested in these, and a lot of his music is based on those scales. And again, it creates a totally different sound world. If you want to hear a composer who creates an incredibly different soundscape than what you've heard before, you can listen to some Messiaen. But that's the idea behind scales. I know it's a lot of jargon, uh, a lot of kind of music theory in a way, but it's really important because these scales determine the harmonies that are available and not available to composers. And composers use them to create these hierarchies, to create a sense of tension and release, expectation and realization of those expectations in really powerful ways. And scales are really what define the soundscapes, the ambiance, the character of a particular passage of music. And we normally don't have to think about it very much or even consider it because so much of the music that we listen to is not only diatonic, but it's major or minor. 
But as we mentioned, there are other types of diatonic music, those modes, that can kind of subtly alter the quality that, of, of the music that we're listening to because they're still diatonic, but we've shifted the hierarchy. And then there are other scales entirely that can very drastically shift the soundscape, the world that we're existing in, and create totally new characters. And that's what we have a lot of in more modern music. That's why French music sounds so quintessentially French. That's why Stravinsky's music sounds so quintessentially Stravinsky. They're using scales like the whole tone scale and the octatonic scale. So I hope this has been helpful, and it certainly will be helpful for our breakdown in the coming few days of Bartok's Wooden Prince, which is going to be, I think, really interesting. It's not only a fantastic piece, but we'll be able to explore how a composer like Bartok uses so many of these different scales to create this super interesting technicolor masterpiece, really hard to listen to in a way, or challenging to listen to, because so much is going on. There's so many new harmonies, so many... Uh, but really interesting as a result. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned for all the rest of the content that we'll be bringing you, some more draft-style episodes, some more of our kind of thought experiment episodes. We did one on attention recently and one on meditation, and we'll have some more of those coming as well. So as always, I hope everyone's staying safe, healthy, occupied, having a good time during this really challenging time of quarantine, and we will be back soon.